all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, host of the original Southern Remedy, the show where I answer your medical questions. Subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on any podcasting app. MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy, Women's Health, where we discuss issues involving women's health. I'm Dr. Jasmine Kinsey, Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at UMMC. Happy Friday, everyone. Um, So I hope everyone is enjoying their day. Today looks like it's going to be a fairly nice day for weather. Like, I feel like it's not too hot, not too cold, but I was able to pull out my boots. I love boot season. I don't like to be, like, very cold, but, you know, somewhere kind of in the middle. I'm not a very, like, wintry person, but I hope everyone has the opportunity to enjoy today's weather. And again, since it's Friday, maybe some big plans for the weekend, kind of ending the day as they would say, TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. So today's topic um, that I decided to discuss is common in many of my clinic visits or messages that I get from my female patients is about vaginal discharge. So I was talking to my producer and we were like, we may not get too many phone calls on this one. People probably want to listen, but may not want to share. So I kind of picked this topic because as I mentioned before, it's very common. And unfortunately, people are very uncomfortable to talk about different things. And I tell them, I'm your doctor. I'm the person you're supposed to talk to. So as a result, so many people turn to the wonderful, what many of us physicians call Dr. Google, which is a wonderful resource. Don't get me wrong and kind of can help you figure out, do I need to get help right away? But sometimes it can be misleading or some people can misinterpret some of the information given. So hopefully today I can kind of hit some of the high points of maybe when you should talk to your doctor and maybe when you should not be so worried. But Vaginal discharge, it is actually common and a normal thing for some people. So we'll talk about what makes it normal, what makes it abnormal. But for the most part, most women are going to have some form of vaginal discharge. It's usually clear or a whitish fluid. Um, and that consistency is typically considered normal, not causing any irritation, itching, um, or any of those types of things. And, you know, and some people, as I said, clear, white, or off-white. And it's there's a purpose for it. It's made up of great healthy bacteria that keeps the vagina nice and healthy and safe. It's made up of different cells. It um, is a way that the vagina cleans and lubricates itself. So it fights off the bad 
infections and bacteria. So there is a reason for it. So it's supposed to be there. It's supposed to keep you healthy. So the question is, when should I be worried? So things that we're looking at is if you're having changes in color, texture, smell, or the amount of discharge that you're having. So I know it's kind of a weird analogy, but it's true. Some people, like I tell patients all the time, they're like, oh my gosh, I have all this earwax, or I sweat more than other people. Is there something wrong with me? Some people are just different. Some people don't have that much earwax, and some people, my middle child, I swear I clean his ears every day, and it's just draining, like I did nothing. So the same thing happens for females. So some people have minimal vaginal discharge at baseline, and some women can just have a larger amount. The question is, what is normal for you? That's how we determine when it's abnormal. If you're having more than you typically have, maybe that should be concerned. But if you have more than, I don't know, your sister, y'all talked about it, that may just be that you guys are different, not necessarily that there is a problem. So one, as I mentioned before, so what is normal? So normal, typically, if we're looking at the color, clear, Milky white or kind of an off-white color are usually what's normal. And that again, that is without odor. Um, color. You should definitely be concerned if it's got a yellow tinge, green tinge, gray. Again, a variation of what you are normally have. And that is usually the sign that there's some type of bacterial or infection involved that you need to get evaluated for treatment. Additionally, you can see brown or red. So, of course, if you're about to start your menstruation or you have some spotting or things like that, you might get kind of a brownish color to it or you might just flat out get red. So, of course, those are are things that you can see happen. But also, if you have some just irritation from other things, you can kind of get a little bit of red or bleeding there. The people that I'm most concerned about is if you have gone through menopause, you hadn't had periods for years or something like that, and you're starting to see a brown, red discharge, you're like, oh, that's just a little bit of spotting. You need to see your OBGYN because that can be a sign of something more serious. So don't brush off. If you've got some what we call postmenopausal bleeding, you've gone through menopause, hadn't seen a period in forever, and now you're having to have some spotting or blood tinge vaginal discharge, you're the patients that I want you to call your doctor and make sure you're getting evaluated because it could be um, signs of endometrial cancer or things of that nature. So we want you to make sure that you're getting evaluated. So that's color. So what's normal? We talked about what's normal for color. Consistency. So Interesting, as I said, sir, some people just awkward to talk about, but it's the truth. Consistency, it can be a watery or sticky kind of gooey um, consistency to it. Again, that can be normal, but you can also have changes in the consistency of your discharge throughout your cycle. So sometimes as your cycle changes, that can change as well. So if you can time it to certain parts of the month, some people that are, you know, trying to get pregnant and looking at fertility, you can look at the changes in your vaginal discharge to help you understand when you are ovulating and things of that nature. So you can see some change in consistency throughout the month. But again, finding out what's normal for you. Now, if it's foamy, got kind of a, a like chunkier feet and it's itching and those types of things, again, those are concerns for infection. Most common when we're thinking about that is like a yeast infection. But looking at the consistency, so color consistency. And then, of course, you know, you definitely worry about if there's a change in smell in your discharge. Now, of course, there's all these things when people are selling feminine products that smell like powder and flowers and all these kind of things, which we'll get 
to a little bit later in the episode um, talking about, you know, how that can disrupt all of our kind of natural healthy bacteria when we do those things. But for most people, you know, vaginal discharge has its own kind of distinct odor. It should not be stinky or smelly. That's something that you can be concerned about. But the flowers and all that kind of stuff is not what natural discharge is for most people. So if it's stronger, unpleasant odor, um, foul smelling, fishy, those types of things or changes, then that's usually more concern for a vaginal infection. And then the last is the amount. So if you are noticing a lot more than you've had before, then of course, and that's definitely an area that you should be concerned about. Again, remembering what is normal for you, what may be normal for one person might be different for someone else. So if there's an increase in the amount that you normally see, then that might be a reason to see your doctor. However, not forgetting that there are some normal kind of changes that can happen. So definitely if you're pregnant, that can change the amount um, because you're now protecting a baby and wanting to keep the vaginal area clean and those types of things so you can see more discharge sometimes during pregnancy. Birth controls can oftentimes do that as well. And as I mentioned before, not only can ovulation change the consistency, it can also change the amount. But again, if in doubt, always call your doctor. So as we talk about it, we talk about it being normal. Um, You also can have infectious and non-infectious causes. So usually when you're looking at um, non, I'll kind of talk about non-infectious first, because as we get later in the show, we'll kind of dive into the different types of infections to worry about. But there are non-infectious causes. And as I've mentioned before, you know, definitely sometimes medications um, that we take can change it, but also other things can do it. So if there's you know, some foreign body, just like your body doesn't like things that aren't supposed to be there. So if there's something that's not supposed to be there that can change your, um, that can cause a problem or cause some discharge. One of the biggest examples are tampons. So definitely fine to use tampons during your period as they're designed. They are not designed to absorb vaginal discharge for you. So if your vaginal discharge is not your period, using a tampon for something else, you really can increase your risk of infections. But even with your period, you can, if it's there too long, you can definitely increase your risk for infections as well. So make sure you're using that appropriately. And um, it's crazy. My husband works in an ER. The number of people that forget that their tampons are there happens way more often than you realize. So trying to remember that you're changing them regularly and not forgetting that because that definitely can be a cause of discharge for some women. Also, sometimes, as I mentioned before, when people are using different washes and things in an effort to make everything smell, you know, fresh and clean and flowers and all those kind of things can cause irritation for some women. And they can have a reaction to different detergents if you're using a different detergent, different soaps or during sex and sexual intercourse. If you're using different types of lubricants or or a change in condoms or things of that nature can also disrupt the normal kind of flora of the vagina. And so that definitely can increase your risk of issues with vaginal discharge and, of course, infection. And then, unfortunately, postmenopausal, you know, kind of around menopause time, that decrease in estrogen, you can get what they call atrophic vaginitis, so just inflammation of the tissue there. Everything's kind of gotten thinner without the estrogen being there, and it can be drier and thinner 
sooner than normal. And that can change um, your vaginal discharge, all of which is a non-infectious cause. And then as I mentioned before, during pregnancy, you can see a change in your vaginal discharge as well. But again, making sure you're having your regular doctor's appointments. And if something doesn't seem right to you, making sure that you're talking to your physician, because if you need to be treated, we want to make sure you're getting the appropriate treatment. So and just to recap for people that may have just picked up on the show on their drive. Today, we are essentially discussing vaginal health and causes of vaginal discharge. And as I mentioned earlier, sometimes so so many of my patients are uncomfortable having this discussion, but I'm really hoping people are listening so that they know that when to speak up when you go to your doctor to make sure that nothing's wrong and we don't cause any problems down the road. So I've mentioned before that, you know, vaginal discharge, um, when it's kind of a clear, white, off-white, not a foul odor, normal consistency and amount for you is something that is normal for women to have. We've been talking a little bit about when things are abnormal. And so I talked a little bit first about some non-infectious causes, but we also worry about infection. So that's, of course, when we start to notice the change in color um, of the vaginal discharge makes us think more infection symptoms, itching, burning, irritation, Changing the odor, changing the amount, all of things that can uh, be an infectious cause. So many women are very familiar with yeast infections and, and things of that nature. So that's one of the common causes of vaginal discharge that is an infection. Trichomonas or trick is another name that people will use for that as well um, that you can see. Bacterial vaginosis, which is doesn't fall in the category of sexually transmitted diseases, but can't but is a bacterial infection. That's actually the most common cause of abnormal discharge. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And then, of course, most people are familiar with gonorrhea chlamydia, those types of things that can really cause um, some issues as well. But looks like we have got our first caller on the line here. We have Terry in Philadelphia. Terry, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. Tell me a little bit about your question. Well, um, I'm 68 and I have Hashimoto's and I just went to my gynecologist for a you know, regular checkup, and um, she took one look down there and said, you have lichen sclerosis. Mm -hmm. And I had never heard of that. (laughs) And she said, I'm going to give you a corticosteroid for it. And she kept mentioning that it, that the cream can, can do damage to the skin, but the condition can do damage to the skin. And I asked her, well, what is this? What kind of infection is this? And she said, it's not an infection. It's a skin condition. And I'll write it down for you so you can Google it. Yes, ma'am. So you're right. So lichen sclerosis, uh, quite a few women are actually affected by it. Usually women that are middle aged or a little bit older, but can really affect any age of women. And we don't know the cause of it. It's not an infectious cause, but it's for for my listeners that are listening in. So this is a lichen sclerosis is a skin condition. And essentially you get these patches of skin that look white or thickened or crinkly of, around the vulva or, you know, kind of around the vaginal area. And it can be very painful and itchy, um, can sometimes make sex very uncomfortable. But there is some 
studies out there that think maybe this is an autoimmune type process and the treatment is for topical steroids. Well, interestingly enough, the topical steroids can help with that itching and discomfort and things of that nature. But one thing we know about topical steroids is they also cause thinning of the skin. (laughs) And so that's one of those things where you talk about the side effects potentially causing problems as well. And then if you've got an infection, anytime you're using steroids in that area can increase your risk as well. So it's one of those benefits type of risk things that, you know, this condition can be very painful, very uncomfortable, cause lots of irritation. But the treatment, oftentimes the benefits of the treatment outweigh some of the risk of the treatment, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I I wasn't really having a lot of symptoms. I would periodically have some itching. Okay. And I was concerned that it might be a vaginal infection. And, you know, I just went for my regular checkup because uh, it wasn't severe. It wasn't, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I just, I just waited because I knew I had this appointment coming up. And, um, but now I've gone through eight weeks of, of the treatment and I'm reading on the internet that you're supposed to continue the steroids uh, a couple times a week, they're saying it's a twice a day, a couple times a week, uh, to keep it from coming back. Mm-hmm. Because they say it's a chronic condition. Exactly. And and again, it, it is something that you're kind of, you know, live with for a while. But that's kind of the idea is that the steroids kind of keep things under control and keep everything at bay. At bay. Um. Uh, well, my big concern now, I, I finished the eight-week treatment um, on Monday, and, uh, you know, today I'm, I'm experiencing a lot of irritation down there uh, in the areas where we were putting right. the, uh, the cream. And I'm wondering if, is this, is this something that I should discontinue or not worry about or I would just have just do a follow up and make sure everything's still looking okay. But that can happen sometimes once you're coming off the steroids for sometimes your symptoms can get a little bit worse. And so that's one of the one of the things why they're saying over time you're most likely gonna have to chronically continue the topical steroids. Okay. Yes, ma'am. So it's it's not a problem to continue it then. No, like, ma'am. Typically like not. People are usually chronically on the um, on the steroids. But I would say if she's if that was the length of time that she told you to treat it for, that um, usually you kind of follow up to see how long you need to continue and how often. If it needs to be every day, or it just needs to be a couple of times, two to three times a week, it just kind of varies. Well, I had I called her office and her nurse said. Oh, just don't worry about it until it breaks out again, and then we'll put you back on it again. And I really would rather not have to do an eight-week course twice a day. Yes, ma'am. I know. And it's like she said, it's just one of the, it's, it's one, the nature of the beast is kind of how I say it. And, you know, again, it's just like with any kind of chronic illness. Some people have frequent flares. Some people go a long time without a flare. And it's really just hard to know. It's just one of those things that, that time will tell. Um, so I, I just say staying in communication with your doctor and, and essentially following her treatment plan. 
Okay. Well, thank you very much. No problem. I appreciate your question. Okay. You take good care, okay? Uh Uh-huh. All right. Bye. Yes, I was going to say a lot of people, you know, sometimes don't. Re- Another reason that I always tell my patients, make sure you have your primary care doctor, uh, whether that's your OBGYN or your internal medicine doctor, get in those kind of regular exams. You know, sometimes even if you're not having a problem, you can kind of um, or it seems like a mild problem. It sounds like maybe Terry's doctor did get a chance to kind of catch things pretty early on. But as we were talking a little bit before about um, a little bit about vaginal health and vaginal discharge, we talked a little bit about some non-infectious causes and started to dive a little bit into the infectious causes, as we mentioned before. So one of the most common causes of abnormal vaginal discharge that I think people forget about sometimes are people when they finally get there, like, oh my God, what is it? I've got a sexually transmitted disease. My doctors told me I had it. So it's called BV or bacterial vaginosis. So bacterial vaginosis is the most common cause of abnormal discharge in females, typically of childbearing age. Um, It is essentially where the um, you have, as I mentioned before, kind of this good, healthy bacteria in your vagina. And anytime things get a little off, you can get overgrowth of bad bacteria um, or your pH can get a little off and those types of things. And it can increase your your risk of this infection called bacterial vaginosis. As I mentioned before, bacterial vaginosis is not a sexually transmitted disease. So, you know, people don't go thinking you're part partners are doing things if you end up with something like bacterial vaginosis, but it has not been defined as a sexually transmitted disease because you're not necessarily passing it um, back and forth to your partner. So what are some risk factors, though, of it? So one of it, as I say, it's not a sexually transmitted disease, is sexual activity. So again, with sexual activity, depending on, you know, if you're using condoms, lubricants, or whatever it may be, anything that changes kind of the the, uh, flora or environment of the vagina can increase your risk of an infection like bacterial vaginosis. And, you know, that's usually one of the common risk factors. Other things is if you already have a sexually transmitted disease, it can definitely increase your risk of bacterial vaginosis. And interestingly enough, the opposite, too. If you've got bacterial vaginosis, the idea that the floor of your vagina is not what it normally is, your kind of ability to fight off infection is lower. So it increases your risk of getting other sexually transmitted diseases like chlamydia or gonorrhea or trichomonas. So it is important to get bacterial vaginosis treated, even though it's not necessarily a sexually transmitted disease, it is something that is still a bacterial infection. So how do you know that you have something like BV? So BV, as I mentioned, when we're talking about normal vaginal discharge, the changes is, is the color can change. So it's often can be an off-white, thin, um, sometimes kind of uh, frothy, like that's more rare kind of discharge that you'll see. One of the things that makes BV stand out for some people is the very unpleasant smell that some patients can have when they have bacterial vaginosis. And it's oftentimes described as a fishy smell. And again, not sexually transmitted disease, but bacterial vaginosis. The other thing is that smell can be stronger typically after patients have sexual intercourse or something of that nature. So as I mentioned before, change in color, change in smell, increased discharge as well. You can see all of that um, 
is commonly seen. Now, there are some women that have BV that completely have no symptoms at all. And it's what we call an incidental finding. They have an exam or something like that. And their doctor looks at the cells under um, a microscope like, oh, we've got something concerning for BV. So you can have some people that don't have symptoms at all. But we care about treating it mainly because A, you want to get rid of the symptoms and B, the other factors that I told you increase your risk of other infections as well. And then definitely if you're pregnant, when you're having these changes in discharge, you need to call your OB because BV or bacterial vaginosis increases your risk of preterm labor. So it's really important that you're making sure that you are getting um, the bacterial vaginosis is treated. So you diagnose it, of course, based on history, go into your, um, you know, PCP, OBGYN, whoever that may be, getting a vaginal exam and confirming that diagnosis. Um, the treatment typically of BV, you can do essentially almost like not the same medication, but similar to a yeast infection, you can do a pill treatment, or you can essentially do a topical treatment like inserting the vaginal gel. So typically flagyl or metronidazole, if people have ever been on that medication before, you take a pill version or you can take a gel version um, that you insert directly into the vagina to clear treatment. Those of you who have trouble with metronidazole or allergic to it, clindamycin is an alternative treatment option for bacterial vaginosis. So again, most common cause of abnormal um, vaginal discharge, and even though not a sexually transmitted disease, still serious, still want to get it treated because it increases your risk of other problems. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Women's Health, where we discuss issues involving women's health. I'm Dr. Jasmine Kinsey, Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at UMMC. Um, and like I've said before, happy Friday. Looking forward to this weekend. Just in case for people who may have just jumped onto the call, we have been talking about just kind of vaginal health and when you should be concerned about vaginal discharge. Again, just a quick recap, um, vaginal discharge can be normal for people. It is a normal part of your body, your vagina's way of cleansing itself, keeping it healthy and protecting it from infection. Um, we know, you know, it can be normal if it's kind of a clear white, off-white kind of thin um, discharge. We should be concerned if you see increase in amount, change in color, change in the smell. Those types of things are when I want you to make sure that you are seeing your doctor. So, of course, one of the most common ones that most women know about about is um, is yeast infection. So vulva vaginal candidiasis is essentially what we call it in medicine. And that's your good old run-of-the-mill yeast infections. Most women know an increase in discharge, lots of itching. Not oftentimes as you see a kind of change in an odor in those. Um, might have some, um, you know, erythema, things of that nature. And it has kind of people always describe it as that cottage cheese kind of discharge. But you do not always have have to see that for it to be um, a candle infection. Many people already know increased risk is, you know, definitely, you know, um, if you've got diabetes, poor controlled diabetes is probably one of the big, big things that I see in a lot of my diabetic patients when we're talking about problems with vaginal discharge and infection is poorly controlled.
controlled sugars can increase your risk of um, yeast infections. Sometimes also uh, antibiotics we take. So it's cold season. Lots of lots of my patients have gotten antibiotics. Now I even ask, ask my patients if I'm treating them for a sinus infection or pneumonia, things of that nature. I'm like, do you get a yeast infection? And I just kind of send both treatment for the yeast infection, treatment for um, their kind of sinus infection as well. So definitely antibiotics that we use. Again, as I mentioned, changing the flora of the vet of the vagina can increase your risk of infections. And you can see that sometimes getting rid of that good bacteria sometimes with the antibiotic can increase your risk. And then, of course, soap sprays, changes in detergents can cause that irritation. Um, and I also tell my patients, don't forget about medication. So, um, you know, we've got come in a lot of advances on diabetes medicines. And one of those categories is what we call the SGLT2s. So people that take things like Jardiance, Farsiga, the way those uh, diabetic medications work is we excrete the excess sugar in our urine. And that just becomes a wonderful kind of environment for yeast to grow. There's lots of sugar there, whole nine yards. So if you're getting recurrent yeast infections, look at your medications, too, if your diabetes isn't controlled or if you didn't have a problem with it and you've started this new medication and you're now seeing increase in your yeast infections, make sure you're having that conversation with your doctor. So as I mentioned before, many of us know um, what yeast infections are. If it's mild and you're not having a lot of Complications, particularly you are not pregnant um, and you have just a mild case of a yeast infection, over-the-counter topical um, treatments for yeast infections are perfectly fine. They're not too far off of what you get with taking the pill. Of course, many people don't want to like don't want to call their doctor or they don't have a primary care doctor they want to call to get the pill. So if you're looking for just over-the-counter things, that's perfectly fine with a mild infection. Um, and of course, some people, you want a pill done. You know, many people know diflucan or fluconazole. You take one pill and typically we'll see relief in a couple of days as well. So same thing, topicals over the counter or the pill, um, you should see relief in about 48 hours or so of your symptoms. Now, if you've got severe infection, if you're having, you know, pain, lots of itching, definitely A, you need to see your doctor and make sure we don't have more than one thing going on. Or if you continue to have multiple yeast infections, then you're definitely a person that we want to look into doing the pill and often treat you for longer. Now, if you are pregnant and concerned about a yeast infection, you need to call your doctor. We do not recommend you taking the pill, diflucan or fluconazole, because it is concerned that that could be harmful um, to your baby. Um, So definitely don't go in your cabinet getting your old pill of fluconazole and taking it. You need to see your doctor and to make sure nothing else is going on as well. Women who have lots and lots and lots of itching with it, um, doing a topical steroid um, as well. Again, just talking with your doctor and some of the -the over-the-counter yeast infections come with that topical steroid that can help with the itching as well that you can use. So. Again, as I mentioned before, you guys already kind of know what the yeast infection's like. But again, if you're having trouble treating it, if you're a diabetic, make sure you're getting your sugars under control. That can increase your risk of recurring infections. And as I mentioned before, making sure you just take a look at what other medications you're taking that could be contributing to you having um, a yeast infection as well. 
So diving into more of the the concerning ones that, again, the other two concerning, but making sure that if you're concerned about a sexually transmitted disease, that you are, in fact, getting talking to your doctor and making sure you get treatment. So one that I mentioned before when we talk about concerns for vaginal discharge is trichomonas, or people call it trick. And so essentially, this is a sexually transmitted disease because it can be passed from partner to partner. And if you have it, your partner needs to be treated as well. And so um, typically with trichomonas, increase in vaginal discharge is uh, oftentimes people describe it as a greenish or yellow color, often like a foamy, frothy, usually pretty foul smell to it, itching, burning. Um, Some people have pain during intercourse. All those things can definitely um, be a, a sign of trichomonas. And then again, for males that they may have had this sexually transmitted disease can have discharge as well. So again, if you or your partner both need to be treated if you're concerned about trichomonas. The diagnosis for that, of course, is seeing your doctor, making sure you're getting your vaginal exam and everything's okay. And they can now even do with a urine test um, and look at the discharge as well to determine if you have trichomonas. And the treatment is is a pill and you and your partner would need to be treated for trichomonas as well. So if you're worried about those types of things, make sure that you're seeing your doctor. And of course, while you're being treated, avoid having sex because you definitely can still pass it on while you're on treatment. So making sure that you're symptom free before you continue. Again, some of the most common causes of, of sexually transmitted disease also look in chlamydia, gonorrhea. Unfortunately, oftentimes those two go together. So if you see your doctor, they oftentimes will treat you for both if you have either or. And again, um, lots of that increased vaginal discharge can have a not always, but you know, can have an odor to it. Um, some people may just have some irritation, itching pain during sex or even burning with urination. So definitely need to make sure if those things are happening, you're getting um, checked out as well. And same way to diagnose it, very similar um, to trichomonas is you can actually um, do a urine test as well, male or female, and they can identify chlamydia or gonorrhea. Of course, we really care about management and treatment of that, not only because passing it on to other people, but gonorrhea and chlamydia really increases your risk of pelvic infections or PID, pelvic inflammatory um, disease. And so that can increase your risk of infertility down the line and those types of things. So I tell my patients all the time, don't sit at home worrying about this or thinking it's going to clear up on its own or go away. Make sure you're seeing your doctor, getting evaluated, and make sure you're treating it correctly. So make sure you're being honest with your doctor, new or multiple sexual partners, those types of things so that you can make sure that you're getting treated. Um, As I mentioned before with chlamydia and gonorrhea, we usually treat them together. One with a shot and then the other one with pills that we recommend you complete. And of course, anybody that you've had recent sex with three weeks up to even th- in the past three months or so needs to needs to get treatment as well and be tested and make sure that you're essentially um, being covered. So as I mentioned before, you know, some of your non-sexually transmitted causes of um of vaginal discharge that you worry about is the bacterial vaginosis, as I mentioned. And of course, don't forget kind of your typical yeast infections. And then, of course, if we're worried about sexually transmitted diseases, looking into evaluation for trichomonas, chlamydia and gonorrhea as well. So those are kind of all the things that hit the high points of 
essentially, what are some things that cause some problems when we have um, abnormal vaginal discharge? And for my people that might just be hopping on or just to recap what we've talked about, we've talked a lot about kind of vaginal health today, vaginal discharge. And I'm hoping that all of you, if you don't have a primary care provider or OBGYN or have lapsed in your um, annual exams, that hopefully this is kind of like, ooh, maybe I should go get that done. That's one of the biggest things that we've probably seen um, since the pandemic is the number of patients that we have just kind of lost for their routine checkups um, or going to the doctor and, you know, kind of like our caller, Terry, discovering, you know, some things that you may not have necessarily noticed until you're actually kind of getting your um, regular exams or or getting checked for other concerns. But um, as I mentioned before, you know, vaginal discharge is a healthy thing that happens. You just need, it keeps the vagina clean, good bacteria, good blood, good cells fighting off infection. Those types of things. But definitely when things are not the way they're supposed to be, make sure that you're giving your doctor a call. I've talked a lot about, you know, what to do when things are abnormal, when to see a doctor. But then the question becomes, how can I prevent this? What what are some things that I can be doing um, to prevent this? And probably one, I think the biggest um well, I wouldn't say like controversial or people go back and forth on is what we call um, douching. Should you douche? And so some, if, if you're not familiar with so D-O-U-C-H-E is actually douche. Um, so douching is something that a lot of people do if they're worried about vaginal discharge or if they're thinking just ways to keep their vagina healthy and clean. And you'll see all these commercials about, you know, all these different products make things smell great give you a cleanse, all these types of things. Interestingly enough, if you're looking at ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, their recommendation is actually is to avoid douching. We don't need it. I feel like these companies sell you these products like you need this for a cleanse. Like some women will wait till after their time of the month and want to feel fresh or want to feel cleaner. But at this point, you know, most of the studies are saying that it may be more harmful than helpful. As I mentioned before, anything that is going in there and changing kind of the natural balance of the vagina, the pH, the good cells that are there that we want to be there to fight off infection, again, can sometimes irritate that balance. And I know a lot of them are like pH balance, you know, this floral scent, all those things that make it smell great can be very irritating um, to the vaginal wall. So we definitely recommend that you um, do not do douching. It is not required to kind of keep things healthy. And definitely, if you're having increased vaginal discharge or problems, don't use it as the solution. You need to be seeing your doctor, get in an actual exam to figure out exactly what's wrong. Because as I mentioned before, you have such a higher risk of you have these infections that aren't appropriately treating if you're pregnant, preterm labor. And then of course, if not, depending on your infection, things like pelvic inflammatory um, disease and things of that nature that can um, inhibit fertility and things like that down the line. So it's not recommended, even though there's a whole aisle dedicated to it. 
um, and I and I also want to encourage my mothers, grandmothers, and things like that talking to your teenagers um, because sometimes that information you're getting on TikTok or Googling and you're everyone else is doing it, you're thinking it's the right thing to do can sometimes ultimately um, be harmful. So then it's like, what do I do? What am I supposed to do? It's sometimes keep it simple is is you know kind of what I say. Sometimes we're doing too much and less is more in this um, kind of category. So to keep everything clean, just a mild soap and water, that's all you need. So definitely my patients that have more sensitive skin and things of that nature, I think Dove is just the best option. You get Dove for sensitive skin. It's the one that's got little turquoise writing or highlighted in turquoise that has no fragrance, no dyes or anything like that that can ultimately um, irritate the vaginal area. And so keep it simple. Plain old soap and water is enough. You don't need this kind of fancy um, creams. And again, you want to avoid those perfume soaps and gels. You know, people that are carrying the scented baby wipes and, you know, wanting to freshen up those types of things. You know, that can be irritating um, to the area as well. So be mindful of those things. Um, And also our moms do have it right when they're giving us good advice. You know, tight fitting clothing can cause some irritation. Um, you know, if you're wearing bathing suits, leotards, things like that, as soon as you're done swimming, take those wet swimsuits off. The The vaginal area does not like to keep all that moisture kind of sitting there. And even having sweaty clothes on long periods of times, I'm guilty of it. I'll go work out and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to run right over here to Kroger because it's right next to the place I work out. And then you get a couple of things at Kroger, run a couple of errands. And two hours later, you're still in your, you know, sweaty leggings from your, your class. So of course, if you're having increase in, you know, yeast infections or vaginal infections or irritation, things like like that you finish the workout class change clothes right away or utilize the showers that are there keeping everything nice and dry also um, making sure that you're wearing cotton underwear that's one thing that I feel like your parents kind of drive like drive into your head early on cotton is breathable I laugh because as I was kind of preparing for this I was like there used to be this commercial about cotton and they have all these songs about how cotton is the fabric of our lives and I don't see those anymore but in this case for you know vaginal health making sure that you're wearing cotton underwear because they're more breathable than kind of all the cute fancy ones but they are starting to make some of the cotton ones a lot cuter um, if that's what you're kind of looking for ultimately but making sure you're staying dry and if you're a sweatier person it's Mississippi we know how hot Mississippi is if you've got to change you know throughout the day to kind of keep things nice and dry ultimately do what works for you Additionally, your mom teaches you as soon as you start potty training, making sure you're wiping from front to back so that you're not introducing bacteria into the vaginal area um, from the rectal area. So that's just um, good ways to kind of do that as well. As I mentioned before, only using things that are appropriate. Do not use tampons for vaginal discharge. They're only designed for you to be using during your menstruation. People sometimes wear panty liners a lot. If you don't have a reason to wear them, don't wear them because, again, they can sometimes cause more moisture there. And as I talked about soaps and perfumes and gels, that's the same thing with all these bubble baths and scented problem um, products. It's okay to do every now and then. Just be mindful of changes for yourself, like bath bombs. I love a bath bomb. Smells good, nice, relaxing, great for my skin. But definitely if it's causing you some irritation, make sure that um, you're being mindful of that. The other question that I get is, 
what about probiotics? Should I be taking a probiotic for vaginal health? I told you about there's good bacteria that lives in the vagina that is healthy for you. So it makes sense that a probiotic would be helpful. Interestingly enough, the jury's still out on that one. So you kind of ultimately get some conflicting stories. So you get, you know, we know we take a good probiotic, wonderful for gut health. There's lots of data out there that says that a probiotic can definitely help with the good bacteria and everything within your gut. And a good bit of studies actually say that, you know, there are some probiotics for vaginal health health that can be helpful. But again, we're still doing studies on it, trying to figure it out. I will say this, that on the vaginal probiotics, there are two formulations. You can get one as a pill um, that you can take. You'll see it over the counter that says vaginal health, these types of probiotics. And there actually are some that you can insert that are the vaginal um, probiotic that you can insert directly into the vagina. I would say use those with caution because like with any supplements like we've talked about in the past, supplements are not as FDA regulated as prescription drugs or things that you might get over the counter. So I would be hesitant to use the intravaginal probiotics because some of those other ingredients that they may be using could be irritating to that area. So if you're going to pick one, I would go for the oral form. Not a whole lot of problems or side effects from doing a probiotic per se, but just to kind of decrease that risk of any additional irritation depending on what they're using. um, That is definitely something to consider as well. So I hope everyone took today that they learned something that even though you might have been too nervous to call in and ask questions, but maybe this kind of sparked some questions that you might want to ask your provider next time you see them. Or if you've not had a provider and haven't been checked out in a while, making sure you're making that phone call and getting yourself a primary care doctor. So as I mentioned before, happy Friday, everyone. This is Southern Remedy Women's Health. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show was engineered by Abram Nanny. I'm Dr. Jasmine Kinsey. Join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy Women's Health and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.